Danny. Danny, thank you so much for having me back. And it's a joy to be back. And I believe you put a spell, a good spell, uh, on the journey of Boy Swallows Universe about two years ago. And um, I've never, ever forgotten uh, how kind and generous you were to have me on early on um, when Trent Dalton and the world of uh, literary fiction were, were pretty strange to each other. And uh, I was very touched that you took the time of day and I'm, and it's so cool that you took the time of day again. I feel like I'm part of the Words and Nerds family. You guys are so amazing and lovely and such a family of amazing literary lovers and creators and people who advocate. Oh, thanks so much for your questions engaging with the novel and for everything you're doing. I know the podcast is hugely, hugely loved, so um, you're a gem. I think it's awesome the work that you do you know, we're out there in this pool of, of like how many writers there are in this country and we're all trying to get our book to the surface. Podcasts like this enable us to do that and also to talk about our craft. Danny, you're a gift from heaven. I love that you're such a great supporter and advocate for not only kids' books but adult novels too. I love your interviews across the board. Kudos to you, Danny, for, uh, for getting everyone to relax so much that they open up and tell you such interesting things for the benefit of your listeners. So, well <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Yeah, well done. That's so true. Oh my gosh, I just told you all these things that I've never talked about before. I could never edit that bit out. I could do this. And I was just so comfortable that I was like, I'm all this stuff. It's a special knack. Who wouldn't want to celebrate this fabulous podcast? Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast, where we chat about books, the writing process, and how literature changes the world. My name is Kanina May, and I'm the author of The One, which was published in 2019, along with my most recent release, All We Have Is Now, which hit the shelves in April of this year. Both of my books are published with Harlequin HarperCollins. Today, I'm interviewing Deborah Bilson, a freelance book cover designer. Deborah was the cover designer for my second novel, All We Have Is Now. From the moment the cover concept arrived in my inbox, I fell in love and was desperate to talk to Deborah about the cover design process. Let me tell you a little bit more about Deborah before we get stuck into the interview. Deborah spent her early career as a studio manager creating products for children until landing her dream job at Penguin Books. This saw her working with some of Australia's highest profile authors for almost a decade until starting her own business from Melbourne in her home studio in 2007. Whilst having designed across all book genres, Deborah's true love is creating fiction covers, especially young adult, and nurturing a small, loyal client base. Deborah's designs have been long-listed, shortlisted and awarded winner in the Australian Book Designers Awards. Okay, so welcome, Deborah, to the Words and Nerds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me. Lovely to speak to you. So firstly, can you tell us how you got into cover design? Um, well, it's sort of a, a bit of a long road. It wasn't something that I knew I wanted to do. Um, I'll probably be showing my age here. Um, have, have you ever heard of the show Bewitched? Yeah, I, I guess. Watched it, I watched <laughs> it as a child. Um, and Darren Stevens, uh, um, Samantha's husband, was a commercial artist and used to come up with amazing concepts. And I, so from a child, I thought that's what I want to do when I grow up. So, um, so I basically knew I wanted to do graphic design. Um, 
I got into Swinburne immediately after high school. Um, and I, but I always thought I wanted to do advertising until I did, um, in, at Swinburne in those days, we had a year's placement in industry in the third year, if you were doing a degree. And I got placed at Five Mile Press. Um, and I went back and did my fourth year. And then after I graduated, um, uh, uh, author illustrator Roland Harvey had broken off from Five Mile Press and asked me to come back and work for him. So I worked for him for about eight years. We did sticker activity packs as well as children's books. Um, and then after that, I got a job at Penguin. So it was kind of like it was a, I fell into it basically, but I love it. Wow. So you did a whole year placement. It was, fan it was absolutely fantastic. A lot of people who did that um, got jobs back at the companies that they worked for in a year out. Um, I guess it wouldn't happen these days, but uh, it was really hard to go back for the fourth year for the degree. I didn't have to do a resume until, you know, until I'd been working for eight years and I was trying to find another job. So, um, yeah, so it was really it was sort of so easy in those days. It wasn't as competitive. There was only 50 people doing the graphic design degree at Swinburne. Um, really competitive to get in. Um, and it was all it was all nine to four we didn't pick subjects we all did the same subjects it was like having you know being in the one room having a, a day job um so i think these days they probably specialize in different areas they get to choose where they do publication design but we did it all and like i said i was thinking about advertising so um but now it's that probably doing, yeah it's probably sorry. good that you did it all because you yeah, have fallen into yeah. this yeah, um, and since I've been doing books, I just, I, I love it because it's not disposable. I mean, I know books do go out of print, but um, you people do judge a book by its cover and they, buy, <laughs> they buy books because they love the look of the book. Um, I started doing, uh, you know, uh, when I started at Penguin, we did the whole thing, not just covers, we did the internals as well. Um, and we did um, like all sorts, cookbooks and everything. But since I've been working at home, I've just honed it down to just doing the covers because that's the part that I like. I think it's a different different sort of personality that enjoys typesetting and, and um, taking corrections. And I just like the creative process of the cover. And I luckily I can I can just do that. Yeah, well, it sounds like fun to me, but I don't think I'd be very good at it, but I can admire. <laughs> I admire great covers and I definitely do choose books by their covers. There's some that just pop at the shelf, uh, pop from the shelf that you know that you just want to touch immediately. Um, right. so, so can you talk us through the stages of designing a book cover? Um, well, I, uh, I'll talk about just from, free, from freelancing because, um, like I said, uh, I did, I did work in-house at Penguin for nine years and then I went on maternity leave and started working from them from home, but now I work for a variety of, of clients. Um, so a, a client will contact me um, and they prepare a, paper, a brief um, which will cover um, the market for the book, what other books in that sort of genre they like, um, maybe some suggestions for the cover um and then yeah the, the, we prepare it a long way before um when it gets pub when it actually gets 
taken out into the world. It's probably start about six months before the covers, the covers actually, the book's actually printed. Um, and then we have, I'll do a first round of concepts and then uh, they will give feedback on those. And if you're lucky, they like something in the first round of concepts. If you're <laughs> unlucky, it can go on and on and on and on and on. And then if it goes on for too long, quite often they, they'll, I mean, not quite often, if it goes on for too long, they'll pay a kill fee and go into another designer, but we don't want that to happen. But hopefully they <laughs> like something in the first round. <laughs> Oh, I bet that's a bit nerve-wracking. Yes. They've got, not only do they, um, they've got to like it in-house, um, the editor, the publisher, then I'll take it to a meeting, a cover meeting, where sales and marketing have to approve it. And then quite often only then it will go to the author um, when it's all been approved internally at the publishers. Um, and then that can throw in a real robbery because then if the author doesn't like it, then you have to start all over again. <laughs> oh, well, I was very, I was very impressed with the cover you did for me. So I'll just, um, ask in terms of the get given a cover brief. So do you read the book at all? Um, or you'd work purely from the cover brief that the, if you, that the publisher sends through to you? Um, if it's a non, because I do non-fiction covers as well, if it's non-fiction, quite often there's, well, there's no need to read the, and there's not necessarily a manuscript for me to read. So um, I, if, say, if it's a book about heart, then it's obvious it'll be heart on the cover so I don't have to read it. But if it's a, if it's a fiction book, definitely, if I've got time, I will read it. Or at least until I, I'll try and read it all if I haven't got time, at least until I have a feel. Because quite often I'll pick up things in the manuscript that the um, that's not on the brief. Um, and some briefs aren't that thorough either. Ideally, I'd love them to be thorough, but some, some of them aren't. And they don't have descriptions of the characters, if you're putting characters on the cover. Or I'll pick up some icon or something in the book. So it's great to get also get a feel, a feel of this, the... The, st the tone of the story just get immersed and quite often you might look at a cover in the end of the day I'll look at covers and I'll think oh maybe it's not obvious that I've read the book <laughs> do you know what I mean like what ends up being on the cover you wouldn't know but I do so I just sort of get the general feeling and not and not put something totally that doesn't suit the feel of the book on it well I want I, I imagine that's quite time consuming then because you I mean, to read a book takes a significant amount of time and if, you read it, if you're designing several covers and then having to take on reading, you know, you know multiple books, it's a big undertaking. Um, it is, especially because you're um, only getting um, sent a Word document. So I don't like to print off wads of paper. Um, um, I recently just got myself an iPad and it's great because I can, um, I've just realised that it's fantastic to put the, I'm just discovered the, the <laughs> paper and, and then I can take my iPad anywhere. But um, yeah, some are easier to read than others. Some are, if I must admit, some books are a chore, some are just easy and enjoyable. Um, I tend not to read for myself for enjoyment anymore because it's become a bit of a, yeah, work-related. Fortunately. Um, but, yeah, I think it's part, it, it's it's necessary. So, um, yeah. but I have to, that when I accept a job, I have to think, well, I have to build that into the timing of 
um, getting around to reading it. I feel like I don't want to read it during the day when I'm sitting at my desk because I feel like I should be designing. So that's something I need to do at night or something like that. So I need to build that timing too when I accept a job. But like I said, if, it, if there's a really tight deadline, then I'll just read as much as I can before I start. Very fair enough. All right. So you, um, you've said that the instruction from publishers varies. Um, so can you explain a little bit more about how much instruction you get and what kinds of things that they might say in terms of design direction? Um, well, uh, they'll say um, what are the books they like in that genre. Um, they'll ideally pick out key um, scenes in the book or key, uh, key, um, key iconography in the book. Um, the weight, ideally the weight of whether the, the author's name is, should be, you know, huge, like a, a big seller or smaller. Um, but it's only until later you find out things like one publisher doesn't like birds. And I didn't, <laughs> she just, she's afraid of birds. So I didn't know until, I, you, don't, you, they, you don't get that on the publish, the, on the brief, but it's only until you do a cover with a bird on the front and then find out, no, I hate birds. Or, or something like our sales and marketing don't like green, so you can't do green. Or we don't like that font, so you can't do that font. Some things are only revealed later, but when you get to work with a certain publisher more and more and more, you'll get to know what they, some love huge type, some only like sans serif type, some like bold type. You get to sort of get a feeling about what they what, what they're going to, yeah, what's going to appeal to them. It's going to appeal with, which isn't written in the brief. It's the unsaid sort of information. And then so if you say that they're giving you um, other titles that they want it to look similar to, do they send you photos of these covers? So you've got the visual there. Sometimes or they'll just mention names and I'll have to, and I'll Google them to see um, what's out there and competitors and, and where, where it sits on the shelf. So it looks like it, it, if people enjoy a particular type of book. So I imagine if you're designing books all the time, it's, it's difficult to constantly come up with new ideas. So where, where are some places that you find inspiration or new ideas? Um, well, that's, I, I, I do like, um, even though I like just doing covers and I like doing fiction, I do like a variety. I like not, doing all the same kind of genre all the time because that does get hard um if you're always doing country romances then you do get kind of like narrowed down to woman in the country you know it's hard to be fresh so it's nice to have um a variety of themes to design um i get ideas in the shower in the shower <laughs> in the bathroom i know I that's that no, I was about to say lots of authors often say that too, that they get new ideas for a scene in the shower. <laughs> yeah, um, I walk away, like it, sometimes I'm sitting at the desk and I walk away and it's easier when I'm not at my desk, um, when I'm doing some menial task like driving or showering or something like that, then I suddenly go, oh, that's it. Like I often think I should have a notepad in the bathroom because I don't, so I don't forget by the time I walk out of the bathroom what I've, what I've thought about. But um. Uh, uh, Pinterest is a good um, a good source of inspiration. Also, um, uh, these days, um, publishers 
no, don't necessarily like to commit to paying for photo shoots. Um, cost is a real um, thing. So I might, when I start designing something, I might have an idea of what I want to do, but then I'll start to um, go to photo libraries and put in keywords and other things will pop up. Like I might think, oh, this is what I'm going to do. But I might put in like the word grief or something and all these other images will come up and then that'll lead to other ideas. So quite often what I see at the start is not necessarily where it ends up because it's like I'm brainstorming other things will appear um, when I'm searching for things and I think, oh, that'll be a good idea. There's some designers that can have just one idea and that'll be it. Um, but I tend to want to, I want to play and explore before I happen upon and quite often it's the last thing I do is the thing that ends up being the cover. <laughs> I guess you have to keep constantly open-minded and welcome any new ideas that come in. Yeah, yeah. I I I I really um admire the designers who can go, that's it, that's the one idea I'm going to give them one cover. And some publishers are quite happy just to see one cover. I've, I've I know somebody um said to me, yeah, they've been told just to give one. Um, but I couldn't do that because I need to explore and I think um, it's great to be able to, um, if you've done the work, then it's good to show, because I, I mean, I've got my favourite, but mine might be more from a design perspective and a, um, like a folio perspective sometimes and not always the sales and marketing and the publisher might have another idea of where it sits in their list, where they've got other books that sort of look like that, or they want, they've got too many red covers or they've got too many blue covers. I don't know. I, I don't have that inside information. So I like to give a range. It's normally at least 10 covers. So it can go silly amounts. It depends on how <laughs> much, how much is in there um, to work with, because I think I, I know what I like but I don't have insights into everybody else's mind. So um, it's not an ego thing for me. It's, it's just satisfying um, the brief and what the publisher wants and what the um, author wants. So if you were handing over 10 cover concepts, um, how long would that usually take you to work on? Um, I would need, aside from the time to actually read the manuscript, I would allow myself a couple of days um, for searching for images. And um, like I said, um, very well, from my, from my point of view, working from home, it's rare that um, there's the budget or I'm able to go and do a photo shoot. So I have to work with found images from photo libraries, but there's a lot of Photoshopping that, can, that goes on. So um, a, a couple of days to look for images and then, um, probably four days to a week of um, putting things together. It just really means, it just depends on how complicated the um, concepts are, with how much Photoshopping, um, some are simpler than others. Um, sometimes I'm supplied a photo, if it's like an autobiography or a biography, then I'll be given a photo of the, you know, to go on the front. So that naturally doesn't take quite as long as really conceptual covers. Of course. But, but then that's just the first round and then they'll come back and have changes. So the whole process can go over months and months, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So do you feel that big relief when they, when they finally accept a cover? That it's yeah. off your shoulders? 
<laughs> yeah, but then they, they'll accept the front and then it's months before then you have to do like the spine and the back cover and it goes to print. So it's a long gap quite often before <laughs> designing the front and then you just put it aside. So I would have um, from home, I've got about 10 covers on the go at once. If you worked on, I mean, I know a lot of freelancers would have many more than that. Um, and if you worked in house, you'd have many more than that. But that's, I'm happy with that kind of like balance because um, I've also gone back to school just because oh, when you asked me before about creative ideas and things, I've gone back to school to do um, a diploma in visual arts, which is kind of going backwards a bit because I've always already got the degree in graphic design. But I just decided because I work from home at my desk by myself, I wanted to get a bit more. Um, creative kind of inspiration so um i'm painting and um printing and um so yeah i've got to take two days out of the week for that but that so, yeah that would definitely fill your creative well i imagine if you're getting your hands in other textiles and being out i mean just being out and about i find the same if you're stuck here by yourself in the desk it's quite limiting in some ways but going out back out into the world and being influenced by those things around you is very helpful that's right it's even it's even helped me um think well you know i would thought th think that you know you need a professional photographer to take cover photos but there was one recently where i thought no actually no i can do that because of the, the the shoot assignments we've been given at my school i thought no i can actually that's something simple i can i can shoot that here in my studio it was fine so um just that that um yeah that input and that sort of creative inspiration to think I can do other things and just sit at my computer the whole time. Okay, so how often do you know that this is the cover when you design it or do you find that you're often surprised by what the publisher finally chooses or what the final choice is? I'm always surprised by what they choose. <laughs> um, it's often the one and many people have told me that I should, uh, you know, quite often there's one cover I've designed in my concepts and I thought oh shall I include that when I include that will I put that in oh, I'll just put that in and that's the one they pick a lot wow. of the time and I'm thinking that's the one I wasn't going to put on put in um and other designers would, should, would say to me well you shouldn't have put that in because then they couldn't have picked it and I thought well I'm just answering like I'm answering a brief so if that's the one they want sometimes there is one a standout to me um but it's pretty rare that we both agree so that's why I like to give um, the choice, the, cho the choice, because what I think is, oh, I love that and that, oh, that could win a design award. <laughs> you know, yeah. that sounds egotistical, but you know, I know, oh, that, that, you know, won't be the one that they, and I've got to think, well, it's not about me, it's about what's best for the book. So, um, yeah, so it's a, it's a constant surprise what, what I, I couldn't, I really, I could, I just send it out to the ether and if I don't get a response immediately, I think, oh, do they hate it? Do they think they're all crap? You know, <laughs> and then of course they come back and say, no, they're not. But it's just like, I've got no idea. I really have no idea. And it's very rarely that I go, that I've hit that on the head, even though I probably have, but I just, it's that sort of being stuck, being in the room by yourself. And it's probably the same as being an author, I'd imagine. Oh, I was just thinking this sounds oh so familiar. <laughs> All these yeah. emotions where you don't know and you're they're full of self-doubt and you're not sure what they'll think and sometimes yeah. you think I might take that scene out and then they write back and say that that's an amazing scene you think oh that was not going to be in there 
Yeah, that's exactly right. You've got, you've, you've just got, you know, no idea whether they're going to say that's fabulous or actually start again. Like it's just, um, and you can't be too, you can't have too large ego um, and you've got to get used to, people will criticise, but that don't take that personally. And everybody criticises yes, design. I everybody, imagine. <laughs> everybody's got an opinion. Like my son walked in the other day and said, oh, that looks, that doesn't work, does it? That looks really bad. I'm like, oh, and I think, you know, hang on, he's 13. What does, you know, that's, as, what does he know? But <laughs> he needs to say something. <laughs> Oh, like if you're an accountant nobody's going to look at your work and say that's really bad because but i guess for authors and designers or artists everyone can look at it and have an opinion they can they, and they can say it without really thinking about the person behind the the artwork or whatever form it it takes it's definitely i think we all have to have quite thick skin which is sometimes harder some days are harder than others aren't they that's right um, so what are some of the considerations you have to think about that most people wouldn't realise? Um, I guess it's a cost to some degree because it's, there's the cost that um, the publisher will pay me and it's a set, I mean, there's a set price. I'll often come and say, this is the fee. Um, it's not hourly, it's per um, cover. Um, but then on top of that, there'll be um, a price for images. Um, Quite often it's really limiting because I'll only want royalty free images. So, um, or, you know, well, all images I can create myself. Um, bigger books, you have a bigger budget for the images that go on it. I guess the best way to explain is um, some people don't actually understand what a book design, a, a cover designer actually does. They say, do you illustrate? Do you photograph? What do you actually do? Um, I guess it's like an architect, really, isn't it? It's, it's, it's bringing the pieces together. It might be illustration. You might have to commission an illustrator. You come up with a concept, you might have to, in some cases, like I said, commission a photographer, although that's rare. Um, it's bringing the pieces together, but doing it within a budget. And I guess most people have to work within a budget, but there might be, there's some for, uh, places that they've got amazing images, but they're, um, they have to pay every time, you know, every time a publisher prints more books or over years, they have to pay more money. So naturally they don't want to <coughs> use those images. They want images that they don't have to pay for again and they don't have to pay very much for. So that can be limiting. Yeah. Yes, I imagine it would be. So in your bio, it says that you especially love designing covers for young adult books. What appeals to you about this genre? Um, I love it because... Um, even though it's a sort of a genre, it's not like other, you know, you could say chick lit or rural romance or um, they're oh, rarely I, with that, um, with the young adult um, area, am I said, am I told to make it look like something? It is, it's so creative. I think in fonts wise, you can use, for, you know, it's just, I think it's the most creative area for, for play, for, using interesting images, interesting fonts, because it's for teenagers. I know a lot of adults read young adult too. Um, the story's interesting. Oh, well, one thing, they're, they're quick for me to read to design too. <laughs> it can be as long. But they're just, um, yeah, I just think there's more scope in young adult. Um, 
a bit less restrictive, I guess, because teenagers yeah. are quite open to lots of different yeah, right. new ideas. Yeah, that's right. You can do modern, um, mod, a modern look and, and basically have a play with many ideas. So that's why I love, um, I love the creativity that, um, you know, the openness of a young adult cover. Oh, I, I've been a big fan of young adult books for very for many many years, and it's um, they've got some fantastic stories and definitely fantastic covers too. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think adults shouldn't be, um, you know, there's a stigma of reading a young young adult book um, because they're great. And also, um, I found there's a lot now. I do a lot of work for um, Ellen and Unwin. And for the, in their children's and young adult department, and they're just covering different stories, like different from different countries as well. So um, different perspectives of um, you know whether it be a, a Chinese, you know, like Wei Qing with the um, Freedom Swimmer, and and just different sort of different cultural aspects cultural, as well. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fabulous. Now I'm going to be um, uh, a little bit cheeky here and ask you about my own cover design. Um, so Deborah in designing all we have is now the final one that was chosen, which might not have been your favourite by the sounds of um, how things normally go from your end. Um, but I love it. It's got a, for those of you that don't know what it looks like, it's got a very plain aqua background, but I don't even know what the layering is called, but it's obviously got some kind of filter on it uh, and then it's got three dandelions down the bottom with the all we have is now a title large in the middle and there's the little fluffs of the dandelion that's probably not the right name for them but floating around so it's a very simple image but I think it's one that's quite eye-catching so I wanted to know Deborah what were some of the feelings you wanted to create when you were designing my cover um, well I was given um, suggestions by the publisher where this may sit in the bookshop alongside um, what books it would sit beside. Um, I did read your I did read your manuscript and I was picking up on the whole wellness sort of thing. There's three women and they have their own sort of I call it, would you call it a wellness centre? Yeah, so, the wellness centre, yeah, that's right. Yeah, in a, in a, um, a federation house. Um, oh, so I was going in the directions of the three women, the... Uh, things like the word the reason why i ended up with the dandelions is because i was thinking of um uh her herbs and things that you would drink in tea wellness um candela is that how you say it yeah and just simple things that um that might convey health but the dandelions were also good because you know you wish and the flying away things is is uh, i mean they had been used before they have been used before over the years on covers, but this was nice because it had the three the three dandelions representing the three women, and the little bits flying away as they were wishing or hoping. So you could read, you know, you read something into that. I also had pursued, um, I had connected with a, a photographer on Instagram, um, who I've actually uh, supplied a couple of photos for Tricia Stringer's um, two books. Um, I, I got a photo of a house, a Federation house from her, and I actually spent quite a lot of time colouring it purple because the the house in your story is purple and mauve. Yeah. And I thought that they actually might have picked that cover. But um, 
they went with the dandelion one that's fine I like I'm happy with it too so, so was yeah, that a surprise then that they came back with this one yeah actually yeah, yeah I, <laughs> you know I just it's not look certainly not a dislike I do like it um but I just thought I thought they were going the house way and no but um I after the first round I did have to put some sort of textures and work it up a bit but it was basically fairly straightforward um which a good was a good one it was an, a nice <laughs> a nice I should say nice easy one but it you know fell into place really easily and and you liked it and everyone liked it so that that's a tick that's a great you know yes a yeah. great tick yes I liked the dandelions with the representing the three women and one of them's a little bit more battered than the other two dandelions which I think is quite reflective of the story too and I, it's funny I hadn't thought about the fact that dandelion like the dandelion tea aspect but all throughout my teenage years my my grandfather drank dandelion tea so I always drank dandelion tea with him so that's that's a new special meaning for me yeah, well, that's where I, that's where it sort of came from when I was looking at um, plants, healing plants, and um, herbal teas and things. Because the women are in the kitchen, um, yes. are drinking tea. Uh, I think, uh, yeah. Sorry, it's a, a few books back now, but I'm, so I'm trying to remember. <laughs> <laughs> they are, they are. Well, I can't thank you enough for this design, and that, and I love it, and I think it evokes so much of the story and the feelings involved, and it was very symbolic. If you're wanting to check out um, the design that Deborah did, um, be sure to check out my website, which uh, is www.kaninamay.com, and I'm also on Instagram and Facebook at Kanina May Writer. Deborah, where can our listeners find you online? Um, I'm on Instagram, just at Deborah Bilson, just, and, um, I'm on, uh, Pinterest, just Deborah Bilson, just Deborah Bilson. Well, thank you so much, Deborah. I bet all our listeners out there would agree about hearing, well, hearing about all the behind the scenes of cover design has been just fascinating. And I'm sure this is going to be a wonderful contribution to the Words and Nerds Inside Publishing series. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. We'd love to engage with you on social media. You can find the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Danny V Books Words and Nerds podcast. You can also subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Stay safe and read more books.